0: I'm Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 16th, 2009. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and on the website you'll find all the other sites I have, because uh, eventually, in the not-so-distant future, the sites will get pooled. But they're already pooling sites across the world, and I've had reports from different countries, and different people who've had their sites simply yanked. Because the internet is tightening up, so go to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and pick your favourite one to keep downloading from. And if one of them goes down, you can always try another one. You're cutting through the Matrix. cutting through com. That's on the com site. You'll see there. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca and also AlanWattsSentinel.eu. The last one, you can also get the transcripts as well as the audio, and these transcripts are written in the various languages of Europe. I always tell people at the beginning that uh, I don't get paid for what I do, that most shows actually pay the, the hosts via the advertisers, that's how it works. Uh, But if you do that, you're kind of limited as to what you do. In fact, often your your guests that come on will simply be giving you an hour's advertising in reality, and the listeners don't even realize that. So this way, I've got an open hand to say what I want to say. I'm not responsible to people, but I depend on you to keep me going, and you can do so by looking at Cuttings for the Matrix.com website, see what's for sale there that I have, uh, books I've written, and so on. And you can also donate to me on any of the websites I have through PayPal or personal check within the U.S. and Canada. And for the rest of the people who simply get a burned because they don't like computer, and I really don't blame them at all, it's a, it's a temporary thing, the computer and the Internet, as it goes into the next phase, and I'll be reading some articles tonight about that. So you can always get in touch with me by writing to Alan Watt, site 41, box 4 which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3E as in Elizabeth, 4N as in Nora, 1. That's P-3-E-4-N-1. And remember, the advertising you hear on this show goes to pay for the airtime, it goes to pay for the staff, and engineers, and so on. That's where all of that money goes. So it's up to you to keep me going if you like what you hear. I've gone on and on about the speed now. Since 2001, our world has been turned upside down, not by happenstance, because all countries don't go into action on the same agenda at the same time. Uh, By chance, doesn't happen that way. That takes preparation and coordination to bring in a, a particular type of new system, which Mr. Brown said at the G20 meeting, he called it the New World Order. It's funny how the big boys can call it that, and anyone else is a conspiracy theorist, but that's just the way it works. What is this New World Order? Well, it's been widely written about by Fabian socialists, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, and a whole host of foundations that tell back all the the NGOs. It's been written about for over 100 years, quite openly. It's what they call their utopia. It's a transition phase as they go through, step by step, reduction of population, especially those types that can't adapt into the new phase. That you'll see, actually, in the video, the Soviet story. It's an excellent video. It's one of the very few true exposés of what went on within the Soviet Union right up until the end. And we have to understand that because... It's being now applied worldwide. It's a world, Sovietized, or collectivist society. Back with more after these messages. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. In the last segment, I mentioned the Soviet story. It's a video uh, that can be bought... I think the, I have a link for the website somewhere on my internet uh, site. And it does touch at least on what they call the science of socialism. It's never been explained. And I grew up, remember, in the supposed Cold War, and very little was explained to the general public as, as to what Sovietization or communism was. And uh, really, if you're at war with a, a, an enemy to goodness, you'd explain to your own people why you were at war with it and pointed all the bad bits about it. But they didn't. They didn't all through schooling. They, it simply wasn't mentioned. You get a little piece in the newspaper once in a while about spies getting caught and stuff like that. But that's all we were taught. And I used to wonder why. Now remember in warfare, and George Orwell pointed this out in his book 1984, they keep changing targets. And in the Orwellian world, it was East Asia and West Asia and Oceania. And uh, before World War Two, there were rumblings, at least in some places in Britain, about the dangers of communism, real communism. And everyone was very mixed up about it because the working class thought it was probably a good thing. And if they, they were taught, you see, they were, they were taught that part, that socialism would help the working class. Nothing was further from the truth, because socialism is just a slow method of introducing communism and big government, a world that would be governed right down to every aspect of your life. That was the scientific socialist idea of people like Bertrand Russell and many others. But to the working classes, they simply taught that uh, they would be better off they have more rights, they have more money in their pocket and so on. And there's no doubt about it, the unions did a, a good job in certain areas to bring up uh, the paychecks of the big unions. But no one really is a saving it into communism. You see, in, in communism, which is socialism, in a hurry, in communism they go into social engineering very quickly because they already have their plan set out like a science, m- mastered on the old plans of Marx and Engels, who again wrote it up in London, the Communist Manifesto. And the first thing they had to do was to bring up uh, the classes very quickly into a revolutionary spirit, and those ones who could not be brought up to revolutionary spirit would have to be completely disposed of. They wouldn't have time to do it, they claim, and there'd be too much resistance from them. Now, who were these classes? The classes were those who were more independent by living on the land, primarily. And in the Soviet story, you'll hear one of the founding members, uh, and you'll see him giving this speech, that was uh, uh, Bernard Shaw. He was one of the co-founding members, along with uh, H.G. Wells and uh, the Lord Astor and the family. You'll hear Shaw saying, he said, uh, you'll have to come to us and explain why we should keep you alive. He said, just because you're consuming doesn't mean that you're good. And he actually used the term consumer-producer, which is the United Nations term, official term for a good global citizen. You must be both. And sure enough, they, they go into action right away, as they did in the Soviet areas, and they annihilated those peasants on the ground who gave most resistance. They did not want to give up their way of life, they were completely self-sufficient and Ukrainians were literally purposely and remember this I mean purposely and systematically starved to death by plan millions and millions and millions of them were starved to death their grain was taken from them and sold abroad by the Soviets and the following year as they grew grain for the Soviets the always came in and took all that from them too. And you see these people starving, literally starving, to death by plan. And the whole Western world was aware of what was happening there. And not one country lifted a finger to do anything about it. Because, you see, World War II was coming up and there was some strange deal made somewhere along the line. That no doubt on that whatsoever. Because initially you had the the Hitler-Stalin Pact, where Germany was allied with the Soviets, because they were both socialists, you see. And they both, in fact, Stalin taught and gave officers to Hitler to teach them how to go into quick extermination, since the Soviets had been at it for a long time. They were experts at it. But then, of course, they turned on each other, whereby plan, designed, who knows what, we'll never get to the bottom of it, we'll never get the truth. And then... Stalin became became Uncle Joe to the Western press. Uncle Joe. We're in it with Uncle Joe. So these mass murderers who wanted to bring in world communism, remember, that meant extermination across the planet of all the wrong sorts of people, which tied in exactly with with the the Fabian Society and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, Foundations, etc., uh, that was, the, that was that was why we saved the Soviet Union. Patton was right, General Patton. He wanted to keep going through the Soviet Union. Don't stop at Germany. He saw what was, was coming up. But he wasn't, wasn't in, obviously, on the big picture, the big plan. They always need an enemy, you see. I can remember when the Beatles were sent over to do their tour of the Soviet Union. And the... Came back and released an album, Back in the USSR. And the first song was Back in the USSR. Don't know how lucky you are, boys. Back in the USSR. You'll see in the Soviet story during that whole time, right up until the end, till so the Berlin Wall was brought down, they were still slaughtering people en masse and dumping them in mass pits. And why am I talking about this today? Because if you understand what's happening in the world, that's all been altered by 9-11. You're looking at the same horror coming down the pike again, because this is the big one. This is the big socialist program. And there is no left-wing. There's no right-wing. There's only one organization here. And there's only been one for many, many years. Politics was a show do with this. It's no coincidence. As I mentioned before, you must get in the whole culture industry, and these guys work Fabian style, intergenerationally. How long will it take us to, to breed and rear a generation of little psychopaths, who will be in 20 years or so, 25 years, big psychopaths, adult psychopaths, who can wear the uniforms and the black gear and beat the people up or kill them if necessary. In other words, take all, all emotional response and bonding from society in the meantime. How long will it take us to do that? Well, using all of the culture industry, the video games, etc., and God knows how many movies, that made the, the hero is the, the winner. The, the winner is a guy who wears the black outfit. You don't even have to have a, a personality for this character. He's just the winner and that's what they all want to be today wearing the the gear bossing the rest of the public around and here's the odd thing too and there's been many studies done in this to do with prisoners and their keepers the keepers despise the prisoners and the more the prisoners obey them the more they despise them there's a sadomasochistic feeling to all of this you see and therefore it becomes easier when they're told to, to dispose of them. Lots of studies have been done on this. Lots of studies. And every science member is used to bring in this new world order. And they keep talking about a utopia. Every book that in science fiction, futurism, etc., has, always has that wrapped up in it. Somewhere. This utopia. And they put... Pro- It's it's wonderful, isn't it, how they can program the victims of the next cleansing. They can program them to actually look at this utopia that's in the fictional novels and think it's wonderful. Boy, is that clever, eh? Is that clever? Fantastic. But yeah, people should try and get a hold of the Soviet story. And remember, all those bodies that you see getting dumped all over the place in mass raves and off trucks and all the rest of it were real people. No different from you or I. No different. We, we, we see these things like, like some broken down mannequins and it doesn't register. These are real people, just like your mum, your dad, your friends. They're real people. And that wasn't long ago. And the same forces that cause that, are united across the planet to drive us towards the same end. A vastly reduced population, the eradication of all those with hereditary disease problems, who might be a burden on society, I mean, the economy, so you eliminate them. And then they come into this new wonderful utopia. Lenin discussed it in his books, good books to read. It or Lenin, he wrote more about this kind of stuff than probably anyone else. <clears throat> and he discussed this how this transformation stage, that eventually you wouldn't even need police. Eventually, everyone who was left alive would be so virtuous and mature, they wouldn't need policing. Just like that, just like magic. That's all part of this science of socialism, you see. And since 2001, we're getting trained and trained and trained and trained and trained to obey, 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 obey. There's one article I have tonight about another electrocution by cops. They call it tasering. I call it what it is. It's electrocution. And I was wondering why it was in the papers. Is to train you to be scared now of cops. That's what it's in the papers for. Back with more after these messages. Cutting through the matrix. Just before I go into this article about the police electrocuting people with their new toys, going back to the socialist idea of eradicating certain segments of society, when you look back, who was already doing that across the world? Exact same techniques. Using the same system. Karl Marx, discussed in his book, The Communist Manifesto, and you find that that London, I call it London rather than England, because London ruled England, and London really is a place unto itself, especially the inner city, where most of the world's economy goes through all the... The Rothschilds didn't own just the gold uh, standard houses and so on, they owned all the metals, All the metals and ores that went through the world all went through there, at least on paper, for value, pricing, and fixing. Incredible wealth went through there. But if you go back into the 1700s and then into the 1800s, there there was a father, then a son, both of the same name. I think it was John Stuart Mill, who was a top economist for government and the crown. And one of his earliest books John Stuart Mill had in it a list of people who'd have to simply be eliminated because they would not adapt into a modern economic system, exactly as the Soviets went into. And in there, he had the American Indians written down. I've I've even got earlier books where they had the American Indians slated for extermination in the 1600s for the same reasons. They wouldn't fit into a modern economic system. Mill even went further. He had other groups too. And then Wells and others of the same ilk later on came out with, and you'll hear it in the Soviet story, from the mouth of the founder of the Fabian Society, the Highlanders of Scotland, uh, the Irish. Of course, now they'd already been doing it to both those people for centuries because these two people had something in common. They, They liked freedom. They were allergic to totalitarianism. And they were also, even though they were fairly poor by economic standards, they were absolutely self-sufficient for their own needs. And they didn't often use money at all. The only reason they had to ever earn money was to pay taxes to government. They bartered a lot. They grew their own foods and so on, and their own cattle. The true story of the famine of Ireland. It was was a famine just like the Ukraine because the British, and I've got the, the, the history of it here, the British had thousands of troops in Ireland and guarding the ports and the roads to the ports and so on as they took the Irish beef and all the other animals for farming and all the other grains that they grew off to Britain and abroad to feed their armies abroad as they conquered the world. That's what caused the so-called famine. The same technique was used there before the Soviets used it on the Ukraine. And it was designed by whom? By people like No, a top economist. You see, it was already a science. And this, today we hear about interdependence. We must all be interdependent. People think, well, that's our countries. We must be tied together in such a bond. No one can go it alone. Manufacture and build themselves up into a war-mongering nation. Now, it also means that every individual will be subservient to this one system for everything they need to live. That's always been the agenda: interpersonal interdependence. But yeah, they had the lists all drawn up. Hitler wasn't the guy who came along with the first list. In fact, he copied the list. It was already written. Those who were independent. The Ukrainians really uh, were were so independent for everything they needed. They didn't even need government, you see. And that's a crime. That's a crime. If you don't need government to take everything from you. How can you control the world eventually if people really say, we don't need you? And getting back to what I said too about the police, there's so many articles being in the, the newspapers. In every country, they're almost trial balloons as they, they, they watch to see what the public response to these horrible stories are as the cops electrocute people with these taser guns. And I think it's to get us used to the idea, and so we'll be afraid of police. And since I haven't seen any, any cop strung up by anything, after they're being charged or anything. I, I think this is simply what it is. It's, it's predictive programming as they get us used to the idea that cops are just going to electrocute you if you don't jump and hop to it when they order you on anything. That's, that's what I think it is. And there's no doubt about it. These are the right kind of cops, just like it's for the right kind of troops today. They've all been brought up with the worst kind of culture, if you want to call it culture at all, possibly uh, to be made for this time, this era where you want brutes to attack the people. This is from the Mail Online. And I put my own words in, remember, because I don't be fooled by the words they want you to use. It says, a suspect is electrocuted three times by police before being punched. where in New York, no, the streets of Nottingham. Why are they so surprised it's in England? I'm not. They're way ahead of everybody else. This is the 15th of June, 2009. And I'll read this story when I come back from these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. mentioning the fact that we're being conditioned with almost everything that we see and hear from mainstream media. And for so long now I've read articles about this uh, so-called tatering. I just call it electrocution, that's what it is. To get us used to the idea uh, that it's going to happen, we'll see more and more of it happening in the future. The cops seem to get off with impunity and... Um, It tells the cops they can get away with it when their colleagues do get away with it. And it's also treating the public to be very, very afraid of these guys in the black executioner's outfit. That's why they wear black, you see, as a symbol of the executioner. The old blue uniforms of the police are gone. Now they wear black. And this article is from the Mail Online, 15th of June, 2019. There was fresh controversy over police methods last night after officers shot a man three times with a taser gun, 50,000 volts, and punched him repeatedly as he arrived on the ground. shocking footage shows one officer repeatedly stunning the 40-year-old man with a high-voltage weapon as he lies in the middle of a busy city centre. His colleague then appears to punch the man with considerable force three times in the neck and shoulder. And it's got a video on here, too, you can watch. The crowd gathers around the man and onlookers heard to shout he don't look like he's resisting well he wouldn't be after getting 50,000 volts three times the footage captured by a taxi driver was referred voluntarily to the Independent Police Complaints Commission and there's no such thing as an independent police complaints it's made up by cops and retired cops generally who said the man had earlier struck an officer so right away they're giving you their impression you see but it sparked alarm over decision by ex-Home Secretary Jackie Smith to arm police with the stun guns, which fired two darts at the end of wires carrying 50,000 volt shocks. She made 6,000 extra tasers available to forces across the country only last month. It also revived controversy over police tactics in the wake of allegations that officers assaulted protesters near the G20 summit in London in April, and then they go into the pros and cons, as usual, as we get trained that this is the new enforcers. You see, they're not police officers. They're not peace officers. They're now enforcers. And you better jump to it or you're, you're in for a good old shock. And that's literally what it is, training the public. Everything that you see has put out there is to train the public. And even for me, when I read a lot of articles, I'm always so cautious, I try to get in another side of things too, because I know what the media's job is. That's why we've been kept so dumb and stupid for such an awful long time. The media has been given a free hand to condition us the way we're supposed to be conditioned. Now FEMA, on the FEMA website, they're having an exercise coming up this year. National Level Exercise 2009 NLE09 National Level Exercise 2009 is scheduled for July 27th through July 31st, 2009, with the first major exercise conducted by the United States government that will focus exclusively on terrorism prevention and protection as opposed to incident response and recovery. It's designated as a Tier 1 National Level Exercise, formerly known as the Top Officials Exercise or Top Off, It's conducted annually in accordance with the National Exercise Program, which serves as the nation's overarching exercise program for planning, organizing, conducting, and evaluating national-level exercises. It was established to provide the U.S. government at all levels exercise opportunities to prepare for catastrophic crisis ranging from terrorism to natural disasters. Well, this year, the U.S. one will also involve Uh, troops, etc. It says here, from Australia, Canada, Mexico, and the United Kingdom. So, I'll put these links up. Remember, I'll put all the links up on my site at the end of the show, Cutting, Alan Mort, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you can look them up for yourselves. And here's a little twist as well. I've always told you the United Nations is nothing more than a front Organization to bring in this world collectivist society and to be at least the first global government. And here's an article here from the BBC News: Ambassador, that the United Nations ambassador from Britain for the last few years to the United Nations is now to become the new MI6 boss ambassador to the United Nations is to become the new chief of MI6, Downing Street has announced. Sir John Sawyers, 52, will head the Overseas Secret Intelligence Service, that's like the CIA there, in November, replacing Sir John Scarlett. The departing boss spent more than five years in the post, having switched from his role leading the Joint Intelligence Committee just before the Iraq War. They're doing a lot of switching right now of anyone involved in setting up the planning for the Iraqi War. Because there's a big inquiry coming up. It won't go anywhere, though, so they're not worried. Prime Minister Gordon Brown's spokesman said that the parting Sir John had done an important and viable job. He made real contributions to protecting Britain from international terrorism and other global threats, the spokesman added. Also, said Sir John Scarlett's move was in no way connected to the impending inquiry into the Iraq war. Of course, chuckle, chuckle. At which he is less likely or likely to be a key witness. By the way, they're holding it in secret. (laughs) The inquiry. Foreign Secretary David Miliband welcomed the appointment, stressing the importance of the role. International terrorism, the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, and the growth of regional conflict and instability mean that there has never been a time when the skills and dedication of our intelligence agencies, including the SIS, have been more necessary to our national security and the safety of our own people around the world, he said, the standard PRSTA. Alluding to the time when the chief of the SIS would have been known as C to keep his identity to the secret, Mr. Miliband said, I take this opportunity to pay tribute to Sir John Scarlett's outstanding record as C over more than five years in the post. And then you see how wonderful it is, though. It says, the BBC security correspondent, Frank Gardner, says the appointment is a sign of how far MI6 has come into the open. Oh, oh, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. (laughs) Such rubbish to tell us, eh? He said, Sir John Sawyers was a highly recognizable figure and a career diplomat, unlike the incumbent, Sir John Scarlet, who played a key role in espionage against the Soviets. Yeah, chuckle, chuckle. And then they give you the history of this incoming fellow. But uh, you know something? We know nothing, nothing about how things are run in the world. not a darn thing. Nothing to do with geopolitics or anything else. We know nothing. We're kept in the dark about everything. Even these articles I read uh, to do with the, uh, shocking the public with taser guns and stuff. You've got know, all these boob babes all down the right-hand side. Well, what's that got to do with the story? is to trivialize everything into the surrealistic impression that nothing's real, even the horrible stuff. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And here's a good article here. I have mentioned before that I think it was Henderson and Gillespie who did a lot of psychiatric evaluations and studies back in the 60s and 70s in the UK. They found in the first ever study of uh, higher level psychopaths before that they'd all studied the ones at the bottom they ended up in prisons for smashing jewelers windows and, and robbing you see um, but they studied the higher psychopaths the ones who are born into powerful families wealthy families and who end up in politics etc well here's one to verify that the previous study and it's from Los Angeles Times top of the ticket it says politics coast to coast the LA Times it says here, oh, politicians share personality traits with serial killers. Using his law enforcement experience and data drawn from the FBI's behavioral analysis unit, Jim Curry has collected a series of personality traits common to a couple of professions. Curry, who's a vice president of the National Association of Chiefs of Police, which is a UN organization, has assembled traits such as superficial charm They always charm their victims an exaggerated sense of self-worth, that's Tony Blair, glibness, lying, that's all totally Tony Blair, lack of remorse, that's definitely Tony Blair, and manipulation of others, that's Tony Blair, and every other politician I can think of, to be honest with you. These traits, Currie points out in his analysis, are common to psychopathic serial killers. And you don't have to be a serial killer either. these, These traits are common to top business executives who clawed their way up. Just but and here's the part that may spark some controversy and defensive discussion: these traits are also common to American politicians. Maybe you already suspected. Yet, violent homicides aside, our elected officials often show many of the same exact same character traits as criminal nut jobs who run from police but not from opera office. Curry notes that these criminals are psychologically capable of committing their dirty deeds, free of any concern for social, moral, or legal consequences, and with absolutely no remorse. Absolutely no remorse. I was reading an article the other day there, where that little girl that was put in, uh, she was all over the papers, with torturing the Iraqis, um, has got a book out apparently and she said in, in this newspaper article that she felt no remorse whatsoever she said after all they were her enemies and blah 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 that, that justified it and she felt, felt no guilt or remorse as to the awful things they did with them so she's a psychopath you see there are all levels of society it says here so again no, it says are free of all concern for social moral or legal consequences and with absolutely no remorse you think about these guys that plan mass murderers in countries and they do have to kill off millions of people remember what total war means and taking out the infrastructure that's all ability to get water and food and so on and let the people starve to death look what happened in Iraq that's what they did and Madeleine Albright came out and, which just said that 500,000 had died of starvation and so on And she was asked if she thought that was acceptable, and she says, oh, absolutely, without a blink. Psychopaths, you see. She says, this allows them to do what they want, whenever they want, he wrote. Ironically, these same traits exist in men and women who are drawn to high-profile and powerful positions in society, including political office holders. There's good grief, and we're not only voted for these people, we're paying their salaries and entrusting them to spend their national treasure in wise ways. Well, I'm not. We don't know how Curie, we don't know Currie that well. He may be trying to manipulate all of us with his blood provocative pronouncements. On the other hand, he adds, "For many political leaders will deny the assessment regarding their similarities with serial killers and other career criminals. It's part of a psychopathic profile that may be used in assessing the behaviors of many officials and lawmakers at all levels of governments. This just verifies what's, all, what's already been verified before. You know, these guys at the top can plan this. Remember the project for New American Century and all the guys that were in it before the Gulf War came along, before Bush got into office. They all belonged to this organization where they had the future wars all laid out and planned and made them happen. And these guys don't take sleeping pills or tranquilizers. They can live with this quite easily. They can go to their theater at night because that's a psychopath for you, you see. And yes, as that book Ponerology that I've read from on the air says, these characters are intergenerational. If you have a male and a female, both with the same traits, the damn good chance the offspring will be too, especially if they're brought up in the culture of the psychopath's parents interesting now here's an interesting article too it's just from the Mail Online now broadband, we've all heard this vague term broadband and I knew years ago from a guy I know who works for British Telecom installing phones and lines and all the rest of it, he said you know we can put broadband in now if we wanted to without even altering the wires but anyway they're bringing this high speed internet in as they fade out out, commercial radio and every other alternate way of getting a media. It's from the Mail Online. Six-pound broadband tax on every home in Britain to fund national rollout of super-fast Internet. So they're going to charge the victims again for this new thing that's going to enslave them even further. And you know, too, all this is, this is going to be for more monitoring of the public, faster data collection on the public. This is what it's for. So the victims pay for it. Six pounds a year. It's like 12 bucks a year. <clears throat> this is the 16th of June, 2009. Every family with a telephone line could be hit with a six pound a year tax to pay for the rollout of super fast broadband. The government said yes. That's what I love about the governments in Britain. You couldn't tell the announcements from the BBC when they read out on the radio uh, their announcements from different departments of government. You couldn't tell it the difference between that and Radio Moscow. It just dictates from above, one after another. Gordon Brown claimed that faster internet access was an essential service as indispensable as electricity, gas and water. The creation of the new tax follows the publication of the Digital Britain report into the future of internet, television, radio and telephone provision in this country. What they want to do, you see, is put all this through one system to be monitored more easily by the authorities. That's telephone facts internet everything through the one system that's the purpose of it the document overseen by outgoing communications minister lord carter also proposed that the bbc should share the license fee with its commercial rivals and from 2013 five pounds for every license fee could be used this is how they take it the money from you and use it for other things could be used to pay for programming i love how they say this such as regional news and children's shows well they'll program the children all right on other channels There are also plans for a crackdown on internet piracy and the switch off of traditional analogue radio by 2015. However, if the plan to charge everyone with a fixed phone line an extra £6 a year, which drew the most comment, individuals of all ages, even those who do not know what superfast broadband means, will have to find the extra cash every year until 2017. Well, come on, they're not going to stop in 2017. In seven years, the scheme expects to raise 1.5 billion pounds from the public. The public are wonderful, aren't they? The public are just they're so kind, as keep giving and giving and giving. Even when they ain't got anything, they just keep giving and giving. That's the public for you. That's socialism. Government demands and you pay up. That's socialism. That's what it is. And the public never really, really catch on to it. Now, there's a phone call from Dave in Arizona. Are you there, Dave? No. Yes. Uh, it's all a really good movie. It's called There Will Be Blood. Yes, I saw that one, yeah. It's pretty good. It's an excellent portrayal of, of a psychopath, yeah. <laughs> of an elitist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, you want me to hang on? Yeah, hang on, and okay. we'll talk about it after the show. Back in a moment. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix talking to Dave from Arizona about a, a movie which does portray a, a psychopath and all his, I can't say, good qualities. <laughs> but it, it does it in a very good way, and that was, um, was it Daniel Day Lewis? Yeah. Yeah, excellent actor for that kind of role. He gets, he's able to do it very well. But he, uh, people should uh, see that movie... Uh, to show you is but an oil man starting off really and how he does it and how he knows what the public expect to see when he's, he's getting money raised for the oil and so on he has a son with him and even that turns out to be a, a quite an eye opener at the end of the show <laughs> at the end of the movie but uh, he uses everybody to do his own bidding and uh, he's a complete psychopath in reality but he has these gifts that all psychopaths have they can charm people um, they could manipulate others to do their work for them, uh, and they get to the top because they're utterly ruthless in reality. Yeah. He, he seemed like the kind of guy you know, that he was normal. He was kind of normal in the beginning, and then once he got the power, it just, like, overcame him. Yeah, and, until you realize that, that even the son he presents to, to local town councils who raise the money for the oil and so on, um, the son he simply picked up on the way, I made up a story of the wife dying because they expected family men and uh, he's a man with his child and all the rest of it a very human quality and in reality he didn't give a darn about the child except for its usefulness to him Yeah, it was a good selling tool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and he used it to the maximum and it's not to the end of the story you find he tells the son this he says, you, I, I picked you up on the way <laughs> <You know? laughs> He was an orphan <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right but that's how a psychopath is they, they do intuitively understand what the, how the, what the public want to see they don't sit and, and, and puzzle over it but they, they intuitively know how to present themselves to the public and, and what, the, what the public wants to see and hear that's why they go into politics yeah. they're just good actors very good actors and they have no conscience that's why they can promise everything and fulfill nothing yeah, They have no conscience at all. In fact, uh, the few books by honest guys who have left politics that talk about it say that the average person couldn't be a politician because during election time, any dirt that could be thrown on you and any skeletons that are pulled out of the closet would shame the ordinary person. You would run off the stage and never show your face again. But because the psychopath um, will... Defend their ego at all costs, their ego is all important, uh, then it runs off their, their back like a like watcher from a duck's back. That's how it runs off them. It doesn't affect them at all. Yeah, they're definitely above morals and, you know, they're above the regular human conscious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Way above it. And it isn't until even the lower psychopaths are caught. Um, they're very good up until they're caught and then they're so happy to tell the public or or the news how they did it, how they got away with this and this and this, because they truly believe they're they're superior to everyone else. And to an extent they are, because they've always gotten what they wanted by using the people using the system and generally getting away with it. Uh, They're almost like sharks, in a sense. They're programmed like sharks to simply go into society and utilize Ordinary, decent people to the maximum for their own benefits, and um, they're prime survivors. They'll, 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 they'll wipe out whole countries to save themselves if need be. Yeah. Well, thanks, Alan. And thanks for calling. Right, fascinating studies. See, porn neurology is an excellent book to get a hold of. Um, so, from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God, all your gods, go with you.